Hey everyone, Rev Tom here. It is Tuesday night and time for another Rev Tom Talks. Hey, it's exciting. Um, this would be a Restoration House night for me. And you'll remember Restoration House is a United Gospel Mission program. And they are, uh, they've been under COVID lockdown, not letting preachers come in. But I heard from a guy today, I, I wrote a guy today, and he told me that they're starting to let people back in to preach. And he asked me if I was coming back. I said, you know, if they call me, you know, I, don't, I only go where people tell me to go. I, I don't really just force myself on folks. So if you're a Restoration House and you're listening and you're actually having people back, I'm willing to come back every other Tuesday, just like usual. Haven't been there in like 15 months, so it'd be pretty awesome to come back and see some of the guys that are there. Tonight, I'm going to talk about something I saw on the show, The Chosen, the other day. Do you know what that is, The Chosen? It's a uh, really interesting crowdsource-funded uh, show that takes a look at the, the life of Jesus and uh, as he chooses the disciples and moves forward. They had a season one last year and they just started season two uh, and it's on YouTube of all places. It's free. You can watch it called The Chosen. And, uh, you know, I'm really skeptical about about those kind of things. Uh, Hollywood just has a way and, and movie makers have a way of getting a little extra biblical in their dramatizations of when they're doing Jesus stuff. And it drives me a little, and well, any Bible stuff. I mean, look at the movie Noah with Russell Crowe. They had rocks talking and things. It was like, oh, makes my head explode. Um, I just can't watch that stuff. Uh, maybe I'm just too conservative. I don't know. But uh, I'm very, very dubious. So I remember when season one was going, my wife was watching it and she's like, you got to watch this. And I just kept putting her off, putting her off because I've just had so many bad experiences with like Jesus movies. Uh, the last one was Paul and Paul was, it was okay. It wasn't great. There, there was a couple scenes in there that were, I think they took a little too much license. And, uh, the one before that was risen. Uh, that's where the Roman centurion is, uh, uh trying to find the Jesus people. Um, and, uh, you know, after Jesus is crucified, he kind of comes to the conclusion that Jesus is real. And that was okay. That wasn't great. Uh, and then there is The Shack. The Shack was a great uh, fiction work. But uh, so you, you get all these movies that are it's like mm, they're good. Uh, they're good from a movie perspective, but they're they're extra biblical in my mind. Well, this 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 show, The Chosen, has been really good. Uh, surprisingly good. Uh, they they they've been uh, historically culturally correct, which has been really fascinating to me. I, I I love that period of time to to see just how Jesus lived and how the how the disciples went about things and the character portrayals. Of course, you have to you have to do some dramatization, but I think they've they've stayed within the bounds of of what would it really be first century uh, Judea. And so, if you get a chance, go on YouTube, type in the chosen. And watch season one, season two, whatever, whatever you like. Uh, I just think it's a, been a pretty good show, and I want to recommend that to you. But something happened. It was uh, season two, episode two, and there's a scene in there that I really, that really struck me the other night. And so uh, I'm watching this thing, and the scene is this. So it's the, 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 there is the miracle at, at the, the wedding at Cana. Remember this? J Jesus is there, and his mom's like, "Hey, they're going to run out of wine. You got to help them." And he's like, "It's not my time yet." But, but he tells. Uh, that them to bring the water jugs and he turns them into wine and it's the best wine we all know the story well they extrapolated this story is that there were caterers basically uh, a man and a woman who were like horrified just mortified that they ran out of wine because there was more guests at this wedding than they expected and it would have been humiliating for them to not have wine uh, to go and these and these these parties didn't last like a, it's not like our receptions at a wedding where it's a one day thing. This these things went for days, and so um, when Jesus does this miracle, not only are they like amazed, they can't believe it, but they, it saves their reputation. Well, you fast forward to season two, 
and they want to come follow Jesus, this, this man and woman. And it's the father of the woman. It, it looks like they're not married yet. Um, they, they were uh, uh, in business, and, and he was courting her. And, and, you know, they're older, but that's kind of the way it worked back then, I guess. But the father is just really not impressed with Jesus at all. And he comes, they find Jesus and his disciples, and, and uh, the, the young man and woman want to follow Jesus. And the father's got questions, right? And so finally, you know, Jesus puts them off a little bit finally meets with him. And the father says, you know, I, I think you're on the edge of blasphemy. I don't, I don't believe anything you're doing, but you saved my reputation by not letting us run out of wine. I don't know how you did it, but um, uh, I just want you to know that I'm going to let my dollar follow you, but I don't believe anything you're saying. And, and Jesus' response is what struck me. He said this. He said, for those who follow me, I expect a lot. For those who don't, I expect very little. And, and it's that, that line struck me because in Luke, we learn that uh, it says, uh, uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And we know that Jesus asks a lot of us as Christians. It's not just be nice to people. Uh, there, there is a ton of expectations Jesus has for us. He says his, his uh, yoke is light, right? And, and that once you get used to the idea of dying to yourself and living for him, it's so worth it and his yoke is light. But when you first get in the faith, um, it's challenging, which is why you have to have transformation to actually become a new creation in Christ, to become a new person in order to pull this off. Because if you're just a normal, you know, everyday Joe, and I, like today I'm, uh, I'm a heathen and tomorrow I'll be a Christian, and you're just going to do it in your own power, you'd never make it. You couldn't do it. Because what ex is expected of Jesus' followers is a lot. It's a lot. And what's ex but, but, but what he said about what he doesn't expect of the others. This we got to deal with both of those tonight, and because uh, what he when he said that uh, those who don't follow me, I don't ex I expect very little. When you look at that line, it was like wow, that was just a poke in the eye. It was like, you know, I, I have no expectations of you. You you aren't one of us. You you aren't following God. You are um, you are what you are, and I have no expectations for you. And when he framed it that way, I thought of all the stories where people would come to Jesus and want to follow him, but would leave. And he would just let them walk away. I mean, they're walking away from salvation. They're walking away from eternal life with God. They're, and he just let them walk. And he didn't try to convince them, and he didn't try to argue with them, and he didn't try to you know, negotiate with them. He just let them walk. Because if you're not going to follow him, he has very little expectation of you. And this plays out in a broader role in our society today. Uh, of I, I was preaching on this or writing on this or something. I can't remember if I was blogging or preaching, but um, about our society today. You know, I, I think I wrote a blog and was talking about when you look at our society, what do you really expect with all these unbelievers and how they treat each other and treat us? I mean, you see all the violence and you see all the, the, the this disunity and dissension and racism and and hate and all the stuff going on you're like what do you expect they don't have jesus what do you expect they don't have the holy spirit what do you expect they don't believe in absolute truth of, of god's authority what do you expect they don't submit themselves to god's will what do you expect what do you think they're going to be like of course they're going to be like that why should we expect any difference and as christians we make the mistake and this is where i love what jesus said in that show we make the mistake of trying to push our value system our uh, the, the, the things as Christians that we 
really give up to follow Jesus. We we think everyone else should do that. Well, we think everyone else should because it's the right thing to do, but we, we try to project that on unbelievers as if that should be their moral code as well. And we can't do that. You know, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 12, he's talking to the Corinthians, and apparently there's a letter that he wrote that was previous to the, the one we have. It's been lost to antiquity. But he's telling him, look, I think you misunderstood what I said in my last letter. He says, I, I didn't tell you not to associate with unbelievers. How in the world would you act, you know, function if you didn't go out into the shops and do stuff, right? But he says, don't judge them. What are they to us? But don't we judge those in the church is what he says. And so he was clarifying when he was talking about who do you hold accountable uh, to our Christian values? It's only those in the church. And we are to hold each other accountable. You know, you've heard that line in the church, well, you can't judge me. Yeah, yeah. Paul says very clearly, I am judging you. It's a matter of holding to people to account the account of the thing we all agree to. You know, this is the unifying part of Christianity is there's an absolute truth. It's scripture, right? God is a blurry black and white guy. It says this, doesn't say that. Um, it, there's no revisionist history there. It, it says what it says. And we are held to that standard. And we all fail. I mean, we all fail every single day to do it. But we should be striving and striving and striving. And one of the things we're supposed to do is hold each other accountable to that within the church. But Paul's very clear. You don't hold anybody accountable to that outside the church. One, that's dumb because they're not in the church. Two, they couldn't do it even if you wanted them to because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They've not had transformation. They've not been, uh, you know, had their mind renewed by their by their by their transformation, as as First uh, Romans 12 talks about. How do they do it? They can't do it. But what's frustrating for us Christians is we watch this stuff and we watch our society, and it's hard to distinguish yourself as a citizen of heaven versus you know a guy that lives in Oregon, for example. And you watch the news and you go, wow, gosh, this is just a mess out there. Why are people like that? And you shake your hand and go, what is with these people? Are they just crazy? I, I read stuff on Facebook and watch people and I'm like, ah, oh my goodness. I, I'm going to I'm gonna pull, pull my hair out. This is amazing what people say and do. But they don't have Jesus. And I always got to kind of reckon myself to that. I always got to kind of help pull myself short on this stuff and go, yeah, that's right. They don't have Jesus. And so... Um, like even today, you, you're reading about the uh, the George Floyd, uh, uh, the cop who kneeled on his neck. He got convicted of all the all the charges, and you're like, you know, horrible situation. And I agree with some of the commentators who said there's really no winners in this. Poor George Floyd died. The, the cop's going to go to jail for his life. Um, it, it's a sucky situation all around. But you read some of the commentary and you're thinking, where's where's grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and all those things that we hold dear as christians it's not out there and the reason it's not out there is it's not out there right these people are not believers and so let me address first um jesus's first statement in the show to to for those who follow me much is expected and it, it starts out with this idea that the die to yourself piece the die to yourself piece. Um, I, I was at Samanca Place uh, Sunday. And if you watch that sermon, there, there was a discussion I was having with a, a person in the back. You may not have been able to hear her. And she was struggling with some justice issues, you know, what's right and wrong. And one of the things I finally got to as I was trying to hear her and understand what she was saying was, how often do we respond out of our pride 
and out of our ego and out of our emotions and out of our own opinion and not out of scripture yet we 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 put a skirt of scripture around it we try to be religious about what we're talking about um this is the first place i think it's one of the most important places to die to ourselves it, it's not our vices necessarily uh and and this is i'm and, and i have a, just a stream of thought tonight i have no notes i'm just kind of winging it uh but i'll tell you that i think the first place that you got to die to yourself is your pride i think it's the you know pride goeth before the fall pride is the the most evil part of us uh if you look at what satan did when he fell from heaven it's because he was prideful he thought he could do a better god, job than god he wanted to sit on god's throne raise his throne higher than god's it was all hubris it was all pride and we have this this enormous pride and so when we we are confronted with things the first thing we the first filter through which we see it is through our pride and even christians take offense at stuff and you've got to ask yourself is 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 it holy discontent is it righteous offense you know someone's um, you know, turning the, the turning the temple into a, thin, a, a den of thieves, or is it your pride and ego that's been hurt somehow when you're responding? So, one of the first things that Scripture talks about, is, and Jesus says, you got to die to yourself. You got to pick up your cross daily. And when I think about that, I think number one, if you want if you want to take that journey, the number one journey, if I were to disciple somebody and say, okay, uh, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're now indwelt by the Holy Spirit, now you need some discipling. Well, what does that discipling look like? We're going to deal with pride first. Now, I know people that don't seem very prideful, really nice folks, um, just just humble humility. But we all have pride. I don't care how humble you are. There are you know there are things that get under your skin because of your pride, and and it's like I said, it's it's the most insidious of all the different things that that we go through in life, because um, it. it really keeps us out of relationship with people and it keeps us out of relationship with with submitting to god's will it, it really it really damages that and so I, I i've titled this to whom much is given much is expected it's out of that luke out of that luke verse when we're given eternal life we're given jesus christ who's paid the price for our sins by dying on a cross he's raised on the third day he overcomes death he says in my in my house there are many rooms i'm going to prepare one for you this whole idea that we get to be with jesus for eternity that we we don't we don't die right our, our last breath here is our first breath in heaven with jesus to whom much is given and that's a lot much is expected and one of the things that's expected is you have to give up your pride it is so hard it is so hard um i'll give you an example where where just this past week my pride was uh, i put in check i had to really put myself in check so uh i like to tell people that uh, you're only valuable when you're valuable so i spent a lot of years working at the state legislature um staffing lobbying doing different things i was an agency lobbyist and back when i and i ran campaigns i, I helped people get elected office and back when i was involved in all that kind of stuff Man, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. I was, you know, I was the cat's meow. And um, if I needed something, I would call a lobbyist or I would call a legislator or a staffer and say, hey, I need something. I get it. I'd call an agency person. I get it. Well, when I left all that and became a lowly pastor, um, no one returns my calls. And so I had this, this situation where I needed a, uh, um, I needed an elected official to help a student who was, had a political science project. And they had to, the student had to interview elected official for this project 
And I reached out to several legislators, and not, and these are friends of mine, people I've known. Um, one of them I've known since he was a little boy. I, I actually worked for his dad. And another one I worked hand in glove with uh, for years and years. Not, and I, I wrote them private Facebook notes because we're, we're friends. Not one wrote me back. You know why? Because I'm not important anymore. They don't need me. Um, I'm only valuable when I'm valuable. And to this day, that just sticks in my craw because um, after everything I've done, right? But that's just pride. That's just my pride rising up and thinking that somehow I should be important. Now, is it polite? Is it is it business courtesy? Sure, it's not. Of course it's not. Of course you write a guy back. Even if you can't do it, you write a guy back and say, I can't do it. Um, so do I find it rude? Yeah. But the, the, the pride gets in the way. And what scripture says is we've got, this, we've got this battle. You know, our spirit fights our flesh every day, right? And the very first thing we have to address is our pride. And so Jesus says, those who are going to follow me, I expect a lot. One of the things he expects is you to try to do everything you can to crush your pride. Oh my goodness, it is a lifelong battle. I got I to gotta be honest with you. Um, and I'm not. And he's not talking about your self worth. I mean, this whole idea of of not having you know pride. Well, if I can't take pride in a job, don't don't get the too confused. You can take pride in a work well done, right? Hey, I did a good job. He's talking about that that hubris pride that that thinks that that you deserve something or that you're better than somebody or that you know that kind of thing that gets in the way. And so. I would tell you that's the very first thing when we're talking about Jesus saying, um, I, ex- I expect a lot from those who follow me. You've got you to gotta be humble. You, you've got to crush your pride and you've got to work on it every single day. Because relationally, there's friction between people. And I, was, I was preaching this the other night that, that no matter how benevolent, no matter how um, uh, good of friends you are, no matter, no matter what this, whatever, I mean, marriage, all, all the circumstances. It is sinful people crashing into each other, always. And if you don't have grace and mercy and forgiveness and uh, and you know a, a humility, you're going to be in a in a world of hurt because that pride is going to rise up and cause you to cr- just fight and fight and fight and you'll never back down. Um, and I, I know this. I lived that life for decades. And I, I, I tell you, for me, it was it was a big battle, yeah, fighting my pride. And as you can tell by the story I just told, I still struggle when um, I don't feel I'm treated uh, fairly or justly. My pride rises up, and I've always got to rank it back down, right? Um, so I, I would tell you that this this idea. So what did Jesus ask you to give up? Your pride. So in the show, it's really great. You got you got the tax collector Matthew guy. He is living living large basically because he's he's super smart. Um, he's almost his character is almost like autistic, really super brilliant with numbers. Socially a little awkward, um, but he's used to being rich. He had his own house. He says I had my own house when I was eight um, or thirteen or something like this. And actually, yeah, thirteen. Um, and they're like, well, you had your own house at 13. He goes, yeah, my dad kicked me out uh, because he was, uh, uh, you know, not going to Torah school, all the rest. But he had lived hiding in the hog. Next thing you know, he's living in a tent on the on the ground. And then there's another scene where, remember I told you about the winemakers? They they come follow Jesus, and, and the gal wakes up in the morning, and she goes, oh, my back. And the other gal, Mary Magdalene's with him, and she says, yeah, you'll get used to that. She goes, I guess I didn't really think about what this was going to be like um, because they're living in the wilderness. And then there, Philip comes, the, the disciple Philip, and he's been with John the Baptist for 
I think two years, uh, two two years, two years living in the desert in the wilderness. So he's kind of already used to this lifestyle, and he's trying to train the others about what that's going to be like. Uh, and they're they're really struggling in the in the, in this season two, because uh, season one was about Jesus kind of meeting them. Season two, they're going off on their ministries, and they're really struggling with this idea of worldly thinking, and and submitting themselves to Jesus and and getting rid of their pride. Which means, you know, you're rich and now you're sleeping on the ground. Um, it is what it is, and uh, it, it's really kind of fascinating to watch the human dynamic in that. And the, and you'll, I'm, I'm sure what they're going to do is make this change, and the, this, the disciples kind of figure things out. So for you, I would just say one of the things Jesus really, really, really expects of you is pride, is to get rid of it, is to crush it. And so I would ask you, um, you know, maybe do this. I, I've had to do this. Uh, I think every every Christian in the faith should do this. You gotta have a sober judgment of yourself, right? Doesn't Romans 12 say have a sober judgment of yourself? You gotta look at yourself and say, Am I prideful? Are there areas I have pride? And if you don't know, look at areas that frustrate you. You know, where where you you know you you bow up a little bit. And ask yourself, is that pride? Most of the time it is. Do you take offense at stuff? Is that pride? Or are you really upset because someone's, you know, dissing God or something? And there's a scene in there, I, I, I tell you, that that reminded me uh, they're in Samaria and it's and it's James and John and Jesus. And the Samaritans don't like Jews, obviously. There's a big fight between them. And they they throw crap at, at, at Jesus and, and John and James and they spit on them. And you, you go, you're like, they're going to spit on Jesus, right? And, and you're like the sons of thunder that want to rain down fire from heaven and get these guys. And... <laughs> And Jesus' line is like, what, you want to kill these people because they were mean to you? And it reminded me, we don't have to defend God. A lot of times, even when we're taking offense because there's an atheist saying some dumb stuff, or, you know, there's, I see stuff on Facebook all the time where, where scripture is misquoted like crazy. And, and people are like, take a piece of scripture out of context and just say some stuff. And you're like, I got to respond to that. And then you're like, no, I really don't because God doesn't need me little old me to defend him. God doesn't need me to defend him. He's fine. Uh, so, uh, and that's a pride thing. That's a pride thing. I think I need to jump in there. Oh, I got to defend God. No, I don't. I, I think God's okay. Uh, he was here long before I got here. He'll be here long after I'm done. Uh, so, yeah, first thing's pride. Second thing I tell you that you've got to die to yourself about, and pride's a big one. Like That takes like half the stuff off the table, doesn't it? Um, is where you're willing to really serve, what you're really willing to do. I preach on this on uh, on Sunday at my church. I don't think anybody's really seen the sermon yet. Uh, this idea of, all ministry is good ministry, right? Anything where you're do doing something for Jesus and that people know you're doing it for Jesus is great. I'm, yeah, as you know, I'm a really big critic of giving someone a sandwich and saying, here, I'm from the church and expecting them to get the Jesus message because you're from church feeding them a sandwich. I don't buy that. I think you have to do evangelism. I think you have to talk about Jesus. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of my name, I'll be ashamed of yours. So when you don't use the name Jesus uh, and you're trying to, you know, uh, through osmosis or some kind of thing, tell people about the gospel, I, I, I just, I'm not with you. I won't, I won't be with you on that kind of stuff. But I will be with you when um, you do talk about Jesus. And one of the things that what happens in ministry work is there's all sorts of different ministries out there. And it's a, there's a lot of care and feeding kind of stuff, right? Where you're, uh, 
I don't know, you're, you're doing, uh, you're doing sandwiches. You're, you're doing, um, homeless stuff. You're doing, uh, you know, for example, I'll give you a good example. My buddy, DJ Vincent and the guys at church in the park just put in tiny homes, uh, on a piece of property and they're going to be housing, I think 40 homeless people in these shelters. It's a really big project and, uh, it's church in the park, but I hope that Jesus is a part of this. <laughs> I hope that they're, they're telling people it's because God's not forgotten them and that they're preaching at him and, and telling them about Jesus. Because giving someone a house and food and letting them go to hell anyway is, I think, just cruel. That's not love. That's just cruelty. Um, because it gives them a false sense of security. And, and that's why I like the UGM gospel stuff, because UGM... You stay there, but you got to you got to get the you got to get the the message. I remember this one homeless guy I was working with. I'm like, hey, go to the mission. You, they'll take care of you. They'll feed you. They'll house you. All this stuff. And they're like, oh no, I'm not going to the mission. They make you listen to sermons. I'm like, and so you'd rather be in the rain and cold and miserable? Yeah, I'm not going there. They 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 got all that God stuff. Like, well, have fun outside. You know, I, I want I I can't work with people like that because they're not willing to to meet people halfway. So let's go back to service. What kind of service are you doing? And this is where, where the Jesus much is expected comes in. Okay. So let's say, um, let's say you're a good person. You're given to the United Way and, and, you're, and you know, you let your neighbor borrow your, your hedge trimmer. You're pretty, just a decent guy, right? Um, that's not the kind of service God's calling us to. And this is where you got to, when you're dying to yourself, you got to die to your pride, but then you got to die to yourself and put yourself out there for to be vulnerable and transparent. That's the kind of ministry Jesus is talking about. And and so, what does that look like? Uh, I will tell you that that what he expects, at least what I'm reading, is not only are you are you feeding the the hungry and housing the homeless and doing all the 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 care and feeding, as I call it, but you're stepping out in faith. And doing hard things. Look at the disciples, what they had to do. At one point, he has 70 disciples, and he sends them out two by two to the surrounding villages to preach the good news, heal. They, they gave, he gave them power to heal, do different things, right? Okay, this is this is going to Jewish synagogues and to Jewish people and saying a message that is not rabbinical. I'm doing this great study. I'm reading this book called uh, Life and Times of Jesus of, um, of Jesus Christ. And it's written by a guy like in 1880s. And it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And he was discerning the difference between rabbinism, I can't really say that word well, and, and Jesus. And how the two of them split. And the things that Jesus was doing was so anti-rabbinical that that's why the Pharisees and everyone were mad at him because he wasn't following their traditions and rules and, and, and way of thinking. He was going completely radically in a different direction. And that's why they wanted to kill him is because he was so radically different than uh, what the rabbis had been teaching uh, and, and from Talmud and all the rest. And, uh, and he knew it and he knew it was going that way, right? And so what he looked when he sent these guys out and was like, oh, that's great. He sent them out two by two, gave them power. Yay. Uh, no, they were not going to be accepted in these places. I mean, Jesus wasn't even accepted in his hometown. He gave them a hard ministry. 
remember what he told him don't take anything with you don't don't take any money or extra tunic or anything like that stay with people who let you stay with them if they don't just dust the you know shake the dust from your feet and and move on and that was kind of like a really big insult to do that anything anything dealing with the feet in uh, um, in Arab culture and, and Semitic culture is really an insult and so he sends them out in, in, two by two by themselves to go preach this crazy anti-rabbinical message to solid Jews you know people in I mean remember he came for his people he wasn't talking to Gentiles at this point Cer certainly he talked to the Samaritan woman and certainly went to Caesarea Philippi but his message was for his people and that was a dangerous mission and that was really hard <laughs> and that was really um that was stepping out of the boat let me tell you uh to go do that and while they came back and they had great stories about just how much power they were able to use to heal uh, the demonic and uh possessed and how they were able to heal people and how they were able to uh, you know share the message and people came to, to to believe the message and all that that's all the power of the holy spirit but the faith those guys had to have to step out and do more than just give a guy a sandwich uh, was pretty immense, and because it was a very difficult message in a in a very unique culture. So we got a unique culture, don't we? We've got most people don't believe. <laughs> Even the people that uh, say they believe in God can't really define that. Most people think they're going to heaven, but can't figure out why. Um, you know they won't tell you that's because they've been saved by jesus christ they'll tell you that they're good people or they'll tell you that they you know they've given to charity or you know something that they've done some kind of workspace thing i don't get that and so what is your service well i tell you i i preached on your service has to be you know your greatest ministry comes out of your greatest pain so however you've been healed by jesus and whatever it is you got to go back in and help others who have the same issues because jesus has healed you in that and you get to go do the same thing and it's got to be more than just the the normal nothingness that doesn't talk about Jesus. You got to talk about Jesus. Now, what's hard in America, and I've said this a bazillion times, there's a couple things you don't talk about in polite society. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. Well, now everyone's talking about politics. But, you know, there's still this taboo that Satan has us convinced in America we don't talk about religion. And I just say poo-poo on that. You know, we're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about Jesus, no matter the cost. But I know a ton of Christians that will not really bring up Jesus for fear of offending somebody, for, um, you know, fear of being embarrassed, being asked a question they don't know the answer to, you know, something like that. And, and what happens is, and this, I think this is so unloving, you're not giving them a chance to meet Jesus. You're not giving them a chance of salvation. You're not giving them a chance to understand they need a Savior and who that Savior is. Too much is given, much is expected. Jesus says, I expect a lot from my disciples. He expected them to risk and be vulnerable and transparent and tell their stories. Make sure that, that you know, their salvation story, their experience with Jesus, you got to tell that story. And sometimes that means you got to show some of your hurts and some of the things that you experience in order to tell that story. I, I, he did that to me. It was no fun, but it was good, right? At, at the time, I thought he was crazy when he was asking me to do it, but it turned out really well. Like everything with Jesus, turns out really well, right? He knows better than us. So the second part of, of die to yourself, first part is die to your pride. The second part is, is y y your ministry you pick can't be 
you can't be shy about sharing Jesus. You can't be, you, you know, we're told to be bold and, and, and not be timid. Uh, we, we have a spirit of boldness. We are more than conquerors. We, you know, there's language in there that talks about all this power we have because we're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that Jesus used to raise the dead, for goodness sakes. But we're so dead as Christians, we don't use it. And, and we're just mealy mouth and don't wanna, we don't want to talk around Jesus. We don't want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to tell people about Jesus, especially the Jesus we know. And that's not what he calls us to. And what I fear is so many Christians are going to get in front of him when they die and he's going to say, now tell me again why you were ashamed of my name. Because scripture says, if you're ashamed of my name, I'll be ashamed of yours in front of the Father. Um, you don't want it, you don't want, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that kind of meeting. Because <laughs> you're just going to go, good bug, what, uh, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to wash. So, die yourself. Understand your ministry. You were made for God's good purpose, to do works he prepared for you in, in advance to do. Ephesians 2.10. Go do those works. Stop making excuses about why you can't go serve the Lord. You've got to go serve. Look at all the disciples. They left their they left their professions. They left their finances and, and their comfort. They left, they left their families, left everything to follow Jesus and to minister to 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 do this stuff and then and then it got worse jesus jesus dies is resurrected and they're on their own out there jesus said i'll be with you to the end of the age but they're out there telling everybody the good news about you know think about how crazy this is there uh, paul goes to corinth and says yeah i'm going to tell you about a guy that was killed on a, on a roman cross who was resurrected and he's our god people are like what you're nuts but they went out and risked their lives to do it. Should we do any less? So that's that's another thing Jesus expects out of us. Every one of us is told to go, Matthew 28. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have taught you. That, that's the mission. That's what we're all, every one of us is supposed to do. It doesn't matter your gifts or anything like that. Every one of us is supposed to do that. So that's the second thing. And I tell you, church, most of the church isn't doing that. Um, it's depressing. It's 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 sad to watch. Some are, um, and and that's exciting. But the bulk of the church is not. Uh, so that that's something you have to die to yourself, and you really have to get inside and say, oh, you know, what am I what am I doing here? And then third is, I'll just say this: uh, your walk. Your walk. Are you walking the walk? Or are you just talking the talk? This is where. Uh, on the show The Chosen. It's so fun to watch because the Simon Peter character uh, is really well played. And, and, and he is he is just like all worried about uh, you know, the spies and people trying to trap Jesus. And he's like, he's like trying to be like, he's like the security guard for, for, you know, bodyguard for Jesus. And he's all wound up and wrapped up about this stuff. And Jesus is like, relax, bud. It's okay. Uh, are you walking the walk? Do you look like a disciple of Jesus? Does your life look like a disciple of Jesus? Or does it look like you're just someone who talks about Jesus a lot and you're just part of the world? And and this is this is a tough one, okay? So the th these are this is a three tough-legged school. One is your pride. Two is this idea of how you're serving. Are you really serving or are you just you know playing church? I hate to put it that way, but that's what it is. Are you playing church or are you really serving? And then three, this this whole idea of what does your walk look like? I know a lot of Christians out there, and um, I think that, you know, I never question people's motives. I just don't do that because that never leads anywhere good. 
but you can look at them and, and scripture says you'll know them by their fruit you'll know my disciples by the way they love one another jesus said teach them to do everything i have commanded you jesus says if you love me you'll do what i say or you'll obey my commands depending on which translation you get now, i'm not saying anybody's perfect nobody is everyone screws up but are you fighting are, are, are you are you even trying or have you just like raised the white flag in certain areas of your life and your life doesn't look that way i mean this is what's hard about like you get a pastor for example who falls falls to sexual temptation and ends up having an affair in the church it happens all too often and you go okay i can get that the guy is is uh, uh sinful just like everyone else and has temptations like everyone else and believe me pastors are brutalized by satan more than anybody else because we're the ones bringing the message to people we're the ones that are bringing more and more people uh to, to jesus right and so pastors you pray for your pastors because there is so much spiritual warfare with them but the guy falls and almost to a person when i've seen this whether it be a celebrity pastor or just some local guy you know um they're defiant <laughs> they, they just they will not take accountability for what they did well, that's not walking the walk. I mean, it's one thing to sin and hate your sin and repent of it and, you know, ask forgiveness. And if you've got a problem gambling, whatever, you know, work on it, right? It's another thing to embrace it and say, that's not a problem. Um, I'm not I'm not going to repent. And it's kind of like David. Think about King, King David. So here he is, the king. He spies Bathsheba from the roof, taking a bath. You, you know, it's not the first time he's done this. Now, Bathsheba is his best friend's wife. So, you know, he knows her. So, you know, he's had a thing for her for a while. Um, Uriah's uh, out there fighting a war, so he summons Bathsheba to his place. Um, it, it was not consensual. It was rape there. And uh, she gets pregnant. He invites Uriah home, tells, her, tells him, hey, go hang out with your wife, uh, hoping that he can cover up the fact that he got her pregnant so it would look like Uriah did. I mean, what a schmuck. And Uriah's like, I could never do that. We got men in the field. I could never, you know, I can't do that. So David says, fine. He writes a note to the commander saying, put Uriah in the front lines, knowing Uriah would die. What, what a horrible individual, right? And to his best friend. Just one, of the, one of the mighty men, David's mighty men, one of the original guys. And you shake your head and go, what the heck? And um, he didn't repent of it for like almost a year or more until the prophet Nathan came in and told him a parable and convicted him and then David repented of it but he wasn't he didn't feel guilty at all about what he had done and that's not walking the walk and your ministry will suffer your kingdom will suffer your marriages will suffer everything will suffer when you claim to be a Christian and remember what I said at the beginning there's a standard that we hold each other to and you don't believe in the standard you 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 think that you know you can do something different well then you're really not walking the walk and if you're not walking the walk are you really a christian are you really sold out to jesus and again i'm not saying that everyone's perfect i'm not i screw up every day am i fighting it yeah i hate my sin absolutely that's the difference between christians and non-christians christians hate their sin they recognize it as sin they recognize that you're you're rebelling against god you hate it you want to fight it you, you, you scream out to god to relieve you of it right non-believers they don't think it's sin they don't care and and that's not an issue for them 
right? And so this, this wicked three-legged stool that we have to deal with in our life, this pride issue that we've got to kind of crush if we're going to uh, die to ourselves, this issue of, of how we're serving, are we playing church, are we actually doing the service of the Lord, which is bringing people to Jesus by sharing the good news. That's the mission. Everything else is, is a means to an end. And again, I don't care how many sandwiches you fed somebody. If you've not told them the good news of Jesus Christ, that person's still going to hell with a full belly. You've not done the job. And then third, this idea of, of um, what does your walk look like? I know people out there that can quote scripture, uh, the best prayers in the world, and their lives are train wrecks. You know, and people look and go, there's, a, there's something incongruent here. You say all this crap about, about your religion, and you don't live any of it. People notice that. And why would anybody want to join in relationship with Jesus if, if, if what they see is that, that incongruence between what you say and what you do? We don't like that just with normal people, right? We don't we don't hang around people that say one thing and do another. We don't like it. it, it it's like lying. And so you're lying to Jesus in a sense when you don't walk the walk. And so I just got to tell you that that to whom much is given, much is expected. When Jesus said, "I expect a lot of my disciples," uh, it, he did expect a lot of his disciples. And guess what? If you're following Jesus and you say you're a Christian and you're going to be a a disciple of that rabbi. He expects a lot out of you. And I would tell you, you can't do it in your own power. I can't do anything in my own power. I, I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be transformed. I'm constantly asking for more transformation. I constantly want the Holy Spirit to make me a new person and to give me new gifts and to uh, you know, give me opportunities to, to, to grow in the faith, right? Because in my own strength, what am I going to do? I'm going to be just like every knucklehead out there because that's, I, that's what you are. You're fallen. You're in your in your fallen nature. You're just like them, and you're going to do the same stuff just like them, and that's not what we're called to as Christians. We're called to be different. The whole idea of sanctification, you hear that word sanctification, is being separated. We're sanctified. We're separated from them, and and so you've got to live a life that looks like Jesus, and that is humility. And that is serving in a way that talks about the good news, right? And it and and, and hard, here's the hard part. You know, part of that good news is you're a sinner and need a savior. And you can't you can't talk around it. Now, there's people on the on the right that are like extreme on that, just banging people with the Bible. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. That doesn't work. No one's gonna. That that's not a message that people are gonna go. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace that. I mean, it's not the 1700s where you're sitting on a horseback, you know, giving a sermon about uh, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God or something like that. That's that's not where we're at today. You still gotta meet people where they are, culturally, historically, everything. But on the left, you can't do what they do on the left either. Is oh, God is love and and everything's okay. It's almost universalism, and that's not true either. You are a sinner, and you need a Savior. And Jesus is a Savior, and it's good, right? And and so that much is expected. Now let's talk about the flip side of the coin for the rest of the night. Um, I expect very little from those who don't follow me, Jesus said in this movie. <laughs> Cracked me up. Uh that is such a slam. I, I don't think anybody saw it that way. Maybe it's just me. But it's like, if you're not following me, I I don't expect anything out of you. I, I have nothing to do with you. 
you are not somebody I'm going to really pour in a lot of effort, time, or anything into. You, you don't owe me anything. Go about your way. And that was basically what Jesus was saying to this guy, is, um, yeah, I understand how you feel. Sorry you feel that way. If your daughter wants to follow me, great. Um, I'll expect a lot out of her. And uh, for you, though, Dad, that, that doesn't believe in me, guess what? I don't, I don't care. Whatever. And just the confidence that he had in telling people, you know, Sorry, too bad, so sad. If you don't want to follow me, that's your choice. But I don't. I believe me, I don't have any expectations of you. Now, think about this in your relationships. What if someone told you they had no expectations of you? How would that make you feel? I'm gonna take a drink here. How would that make you feel? If someone said, "I have no expectations of you." I, I, I hate that personally. I'm just one of these guys where I grind meeting expectations, my own and uh, my work expectations. And, uh, you know, I try to do everything with excellence and uh, I'm just, I'm just geared that way. And when I hear someone say to me, I don't have any expectations of you, that would be like, man, that just cuts to the quick. That's like saying, you just don't really care one way or the other about me. You don't really care if, if I succeed, fail, whatever. And that's what Jesus is saying is you're not one of us. And what what does it matter to me, Jesus, what you do if you're not going to follow me? Now, if you're going to follow me, yeah, I've got a lot of expectations for you. And it's going to be hard, and um, I'm going to get you there, right? But if you're not one of us, and that's why he said, when he sent the 70 disciples out, if someone doesn't accept the message, shake the dust off your feet and go away. And I think, is it that same verse where he talks about it'd be better for those, uh, better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for those cities that reject the message? And so, so think about this. Think about all the unbelievers out there. I mean, look at all the stuff happening between people that are not Christians or people that claim to be Christians but aren't walking the walk. Look at our society today. Let's just take racism, for example. How can you look at another person in the eye who's made in God's image and hate anybody? You know, if you're in the faith, you can't. Everyone's made in God's image. Everyone has, you know, just, just value because of they're made. If God has them on this earth, they're on this side of the grass for God's purpose. And now they may have chosen not to follow God. They may be evil even. But you can't hate them. That's not part of what we do. So if you see people hating each other because of race, and it works both ways, believe me, or all sorts of ways. Everybody that is in a race hates somebody. And it's the most insidious thing. Uh, and it's not just in America where it's black-white. People always just think that. But you have different um, groups of Asians that don't like each other. You have different groups of Europeans that don't like each other. I mean, all sorts of different stuff. It's been his historical uh, forever. People don't like each other based upon them being different or the other. But race in America right now is is the hot topic. And um, you look at that and go, wow, that's what unbelievers do. That's what it looks like when there's no Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what they do. And we've got to draw away from that and be different and be sanctified and be a group that sees everyone as in the image of God, no matter how they act right? You can't judge them on their performance when it comes to this. You got to say that person's in the image of God. Um, I may not like what they're doing, but they're in the image of God. So you got to love them. 
I don't love what they're doing. So, you know, we can't do that. We can't be that. And so when you see Christians out there um, being kind of racist and you just go, mm, can't do that. It, that. That's incongruent that you're not walking the walk. But you don't see that. What you see is, uh, you, you imagine imagine tribulation, right? In Revelation, the, 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 there's a point in the tribulation where the Holy Spirit is taken away. Now think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit's taken away. This is why I believe in the rapture, by the way, is when the Holy Spirit's taken away, if, if the Holy Spirit resides in us, we have to go too. Just FYI on that one. Um, and then it's just mono and mono. It's, it's social Darwinism. The strongest are going to survive. And it's going to get really ugly, it says. And people are going to curse God. God's going to be kind of trying to get their attention, right? And and they know it's God, and they're like cursing God. And it's like, you know it's God, but you're cursing God. You know it's God, and you would... This is how idiotic people are. And you look at our culture today, and Jesus says, I don't expect much from those folks. I don't expect... I don't expect them to live by our creed. I don't expect them to live by our values or, or uh, all this. But what it does say is this. Every knee will bow. And this is where, for me, um, it all kind of comes together and makes makes sense and, and ties a nice bow on things as a Christian where you can go, yeah, there's justice. At the end of the day, every knee will bow. Everybody who dies will meet Jesus. And you basically have this choice, right? Everyone's going to get judged. Scripture says that every knee will bow. Um, you can either be judged on Jesus's righteousness or your own righteousness. And we don't have any righteousness. So if you pick to be judged on your own righteousness, been nice knowing you. Um, only Jesus has righteousness. And that's really a choice. It's pretty black and white, and, it's, and it makes complete sense if you look at who we are. Now think, go back to my idea. Holy Spirit's taken right now. I say the Holy Spirit's out, and we're just all on our own. What would our society look, look like? It'd be anarchy. I know some anarchists are like, yay, anarchy. Um, it'd be anarchy out there. And people would be, would brutalize each other. I mean, if you read history, just how brutal man has been to man. Um, they just, it, it's nothing like it is today. Uh, it was a lot worse, uh, the torture and things people would do to each other, the, the, the means by which people come come up with their mind to hurt each other. Insane. But that's our that's our nature without God. That's our fallen nature without God. And, and so um, when Jesus said that in that movie, in that little line, to those who don't follow me, I don't expect very much. Wow, it's like, dang, he's, he's leaving you on your own. And the, the offer is open to everybody, right? The offer of salvation is open to everyone. Grace of God is, is offered. And only Jesus' sheep hear his voice. And there are people that have no interest. I know a lot of people that just have zero interest. They know I'm a pastor. They're nice. They're, we're friends. Um, but they have no interest in the message at all. And that's why the line says, you know, don't, don't uh, throw your pearls before swine which is an idiom which really means you know don't waste your breath we would call that we would say don't waste your breath and there's some people out there i pray for all the time but uh i've told them the message and like jesus they walked away and you just let them walk away because that's what jesus did jesus didn't chase anybody and there's not much expectation we have for those people so i guess the message tonight is this when jesus said it in that little show those who follow me I have a lot of expectations. Yes, there's a lot. 
and I broke it down into three big areas. One is your pride, got to crush it. I mean, and it's a daily crushing. Two is your service. Um, you got to tell the good news that we are fallen, we are sinners, and there is a savior. <laughs> you you got to say it, right? You can't dance around it and you can't just do good works hoping that's enough because good works have nothing to do with the gospel message. It's a means to an end and that's all it is. The end itself is Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he died on a cross for our sins to pay a penalty that we could never pay. He died, was buried, and was resurrected on the third day and lives today. That's the message. And then third, this idea that are you walking the walk or are you just talking the talk? Does your life look like Jesus? Are, are you doing what he commanded because you love him? Or are there areas of your life where you're like, meh, I'm going to do what I want because I want to do it. And, you know, to heck with that Jesus part anyway. He won't mind. Or even worse, he'll forgive me later. You know, Paul addresses that, by the way. Um, he's talking about grace uh, overcoming sin. And and uh, the, the people that he was writing to, I think it's the Corinthians, said, well, then should we sin more because grace would then abound more? And and because they, they don't really understand this, and he says, no, that's not what you do. You don't sin more so grace abounds more. You know, you, that's not how this works. So no, you don't sin in your life thinking, well, later on I'll get forgiveness for it, because your heart's not right. You don't hate your sin. You're just looking for a free ride. You're looking for cheap grace, as uh, I think C.S. Lewis would call it. So, um, and for those out there that that drive you crazy because they're not in the faith. This is tough, but shake the dust off your feet. Don't waste your breath. Don't throw pearls before swine. You don't convict anybody of sin, anybody. Anyway, you're not the one converting them to Christianity. The Holy Spirit is. I say stay in relationship with them. I, I mean, I haven't not been friends with people just because they're not believers. Um, but it's the Holy Spirit, hopefully, that will soften their heart to a point where they can hear the message. Because sometimes it's a matter of timing. Um, sometimes a matter of messenger. But if someone has said, I'm not going to do that, like I've got people in my karate group that I teach on Saturdays, they're just like, no, I'm, I'm okay, yeah, whatever. Everyone knows I'm a pastor. Everyone knows that it's a Christian-based ministry. Everyone everyone knows. Um, I have this one kid, so funny. We've been uh, mentoring this guy since he was like 17. He's like 21, 22 now. Uh, actually, 15, and he's older now. And, and one day, Lisa was banging on him about the gospel, and he looks at her and says, it's not like I don't listen to you guys. It's so funny because it's like, you know, we, we do it. We, we tell them. Um, and that's their choice, whether they're going to pick it up or not, if they're going to ask, if they're going to come to church, if they're going to ask questions, if they want to disciple, if they want to learn about it. I've had other people in the group, hey, they want to get baptized. They want to follow. Bueno. Great. Um, but like Jesus, he sent them out and he says, if they accept you, great. Share the message. If they don't, shake the dust off your feet and move on. I kind of agree with that. And that's what... I think he was saying, for those who follow me, there's much that he expects. Too much is given, much is expected. And so be prepared. Even in your life right now, I, want, I really want you to take a, take an inventory, have a sober judgment. Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Do you have too much pride? Are you taking offense at stuff? Are you getting all wound up about the stuff that's on the internet or on the news? Are you, are, you, are you finding yourself, don't do that. It's craziness. We're not, we, we're just passing through here. We're not citizens of this place. We're not worldly people. We're set apart. We're citizens of heaven. Are you are you walking the walk? 
Or are there places in your life where you're like, meh, I'll get forgiveness later. Don't do that. That's craziness. That, 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 and I don't know if God's going to really forgive you for that because you're not serious. You don't really feel badly about it. You know, they're, they're, you know the difference between, you've seen these people that, that they feel bad that they did something versus they feel bad they got caught. That's, what you're, that's where you're at, right? So walk the walk, as hard as it is, because this is something that's expected, and it's hard. And then third, um, making sure that, that, yeah, making sure that as, as you're moving forward in your faith, that you really, you, you're really sold out. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, I can't put it any other way. You know, Jesus is either Messiah and and he is God and you're going to do what God says or he's not. And that's how black and white this thing is. And so I would just tell you that that um, don't be someone where Jesus would look at you and say, I don't, I don't expect much out of you. I don't expect you to do anything because that's that's them. We should have the same attitude. We look out in the world and go, I don't expect much out of people that don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't expect much out of people that don't have God. I don't expect anything out of people that don't know Jesus. What I what I, what I expect is them to be in their flesh. I expect them to do all the things that the flesh does. I expect them to live out everything that Scripture says that people without God do. That's what I expect. Which is violence, sex, drugs, rock and roll, violence, all the stuff. Um, greed, uh, lying, cheating, stealing betrayal, all the stuff the scripture says that people that don't have God do. That's what you can expect out of them. But for us, may we not be those people. May we be the people that to whom much is given, much is expected. And we lean into this idea of, you know what? I get that God expects a lot more from me than I'm giving. I get that I need to be more focused. That I've got to put my pride down that I've got to serve in a way that's meaningful and not just show. And I got to walk the walk. When people see my personal life, they've got to see Jesus or they're not going to buy anything I'm saying, just talking the talk, right? So anyway, that's my message for tonight. I, like I said, I just winged it because it was just on my mind since I saw that show the other night. The show is The Chosen. You get a chance to watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. It's on YouTube under The Chosen and uh you get it for free so that's kind of cool too and and the shows are like an hour um they'll say an hour and a half but they got a guy that, that was the director talking about the show for like 20 30 minutes before the show starts so if you want to fast forward through that you can do that too so i will see you sunday 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 i'm back sunday at samaka place and uh, uh until then i hope you have a fantastic tuesday night and even a better week talk to you soon